All right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the house today on a cold uh, Sunday. Isn't it good to be in God's house? All right, all right. Hey, uh, we are in our series uh, called Vibrant, and we're just kicking off the year with this. And I want to start off by just asking a question. How, how's your New Year's resolution going? Is it going pretty good? I mean, but let's back up. How many of you actually do a New Year's resolutions or goals for the year, a word for the year, anything like that? Go ahead and raise your hand if you do that. Okay, yeah, there's several of you. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, for most people, though, by this time in the year, it's not going so well, okay? I don't know if you know that. I was reading uh, an article about this, and this is what I, I read. Over 80% of people ultimately fall off their New Year's resolutions by the second Friday in January, a day recognized as Quitter's Day. <laughs> so there's actually a day for that, right? Where you go, well, I'm, I'm right on track. You know, I'm quitting now. And, and it is hard, right? It is hard when you try to you know, change habit or, or try to do something you know you're supposed to do and you haven't done it yet and it's really hard. And I think the reason why it's hard is because it's all on you. Right? I mean, I, it's on my discipline and, and my determination, and I've got to stir it up within me to make this happen. And it's just difficult because it's all on you. But here's the deal I got some good news. When it comes to serving, it's not all on you. When it comes to serving others by the power of God, it's not all on you. In our series, Vibrant, we're looking at serving. And uh, what does it take to serve? And that really serving is what brings color to life. And last week we looked at Jesus. We looked at Jesus as an example of serving, his call to serve. We saw that when we serve, we look more and more like Jesus. We have this impact in our life. And we really are blessed as a result of serving others. But today what we're going to do is pivot and talk about finding your place to serve. How do I find my place to serve? Okay, and so once you get your Bible, I want you to open up with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be this morning. I went over last hour, so I'm going to try and, and uh, just get right to it now on this one so I get, get us back on track here. Uh, the Corinthian church was a mess. You know that. We, we studied this last year. We did a, whole issue called, a series called Issues. Because the, the Corinthian church was full of issues, full of problems. And one of those problems related to serving, in particular, to spiritual gifts, which we'll see in just a moment. Now, what, I wanna, what I'm going to give you today, uh, for your bonus, for coming to church on a cold, cold Sunday, I'm going to give you a one-point sermon. I know, right? Isn't that awesome? Now, don't, don't mistake that for a short sermon, but it's a one-point sermon, just one point. Turn to your family and friends, can you believe that? Only one point. That's right, one point. In fact, I'm going to give you the one point right at the top, all right, so that uh, you don't wonder what the one point is. Here it is. We're going to put it on the screen. Here's the one point. The Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. The Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. Let's say that all together. Here we go. The Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. Okay, let's do it one more time with a little more gusto, all right? Just a little more, ugh, all right? Like you're preaching it. Here we go. The Spirit empowers. 
There you go. Very good. Very good. A little, little sprinkling in there, but we got on track. All right, very good. That is the one point. In fact, this point you could write over the top of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because the whole chapter is that one statement. The whole chapter boils down to this one statement. In fact, we're going to just take this one statement, kind of break it into its parts, and notice how God's Word really unpacks this uh, for us today. So, Let's start with the Spirit empowers. The Spirit empowers. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, beginning of verse 1. This is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now stop right there for just a minute. He starts off with the phrase, considering spiritual gifts. I don't know if you have a little notation next to the word gifts there or a footnote maybe in your Bible. Because the word gifts really is not in the Greek. It's proper to translate for context wise. But really what he's saying is now concerning spiritual things. Now concerning maybe spiritual people. And I think this does get to the point of what the controversy was in Corinth. It appears that in Corinth, they had lots of division over lots of issues, right? And there was one big division or rift around spiritual gifts. That there were some people that felt like they were super spiritual. They had certain spiritual gifts and certain spiritual abilities. And they just thought that they had just were all that. And they were so spiritual. They were more spiritual than these poor people over here that haven't quite got it yet, haven't quite grown up yet, haven't quite experienced what they have yet. And so they're kind of on the low end. They're in the high chair of spiritual gifts. And here they are at the adult table. And that's how they saw things. Now, on the other hand, you had these people that didn't have these uh, sensational gifts or miraculous gifts. They're like, I don't have that gift, but it doesn't mean that they're more important than me. And so they're like, tell Paul, tell Paul, uh, Paul, you tell them that, that, that they're not more important, that I'm just as important. And these super spiritual people are going, well, Paul, you tell them that, that our spiritual gifts are legit and, and, and we really are spiritual people. And so here they are, they're fighting it out. Now, by the way, this is not just an ancient problem. There, this plays over and over and over in evangelical churches all over the place where you have some people that exercise certain spiritual gifts, others do not. It causes a great rift between the two, and you've probably seen this, and it's super unfortunate because uh, what we're going to learn from this passage is that the spiritual gifts are designed to create unity in the body, not division within the body. But here they are. They're at each other's throats. And so Paul starts off not by talking about spiritual gifts, but about the spiritual things, the spiritual people. And I love what he does right off the bat is he just drives them to Jesus. He focuses them on Jesus. Notice what he says here. He said, uh, you remember what your life was like before you came to Christ? You followed these idols. He calls them mute idols because they can't speak. They can't lead. They're just rocks and stone and so on. He said, remember, you were, you were following this stuff. But he said, when you gave your life to Christ, now you're empowered by the Spirit of God to make this great confession, Jesus is Lord. Basically, what he's saying is this, that the Holy Spirit is very active and involved even at the very beginning of salvation. Now, this is very important for us to understand. 
The Holy Spirit is at work even at the very point of conversion. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals truth. By the way, in your notes on the church app, I give more background into this if you want to dig deeper. He reveals truth. The Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. The Holy Spirit makes you, causes you to be born again. The Holy Spirit puts you into God's family. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you and grows you as a new person. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers you to make the faith declaration, Jesus is Lord. Now, what's his point? His point is that there's not some people that have the Holy Spirit and other believers that don't have the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as a believer without the Holy Spirit. That's an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp, right? It doesn't make any sense, right? If you are a Christian, then you have the Holy Spirit. Just a couple of uh, other verses to write in the margin of your Bible. Ephesians 1.13, in him, that is in Christ, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When did that happen? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. So when I heard the gospel and I believed in, my, in the Lord Jesus, I was sealed at that moment with the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Another verse, write down Romans 8, 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You, you can't belong to Christ without having the Holy Spirit. Now, this is his point here, is that every believer possesses the Holy Spirit, and consequently, every believer has spiritual gifts. There's no such thing as super spiritual people and not super spiritual people. We all, notice his, the, the inclusive language here, the unifying language, we all share the Spirit of God through grace, uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, and we all have been given a spiritual gift. Now, he starts off right there with the statement of unity. He's going to repeat that over and over and over through this chapter. But this is a good spot to stop and give a definition of spiritual gift. Say, Craig, what are you talking about when you talk about spiritual gifts? So let me give you a little definition here. Uh, We'll put it on the screen, and of course, you can uh, uh, jot this down. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve others in a significant and powerful way. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve others in a significant or powerful way. It's not necessarily a natural talent, though you may have those natural talents. It's not necessarily a skill, though you may have certain skills. Uh, It is a God-given, spirit-empowered ability to serve others. Now, I was trying to think, how, how do I try to illustrate this so it kind of connects and resonates with you? And so I went into my garage, okay? And in my garage, I found this thing right here. It's called a screwdriver, right? Now, if I need to screw in something, I can get one of these guys out, and I can go to work on this thing, and I can just I can get at it, get at it. I don't particularly like to use this thing, right? Because it takes effort. You know, and I'm, I'm like, oh, yo. Woo, you know, and especially if it's a lot of it, man, your hand is going to get really, really tired. It's super slow, depending on the type of wood you're working with, even harder. Uh, but somebody came up with one of these things. <laughs> Woo, I love me this. Now, I love this because uh, I, I can pull this thing out, this power tool out, and I can zip, 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 and I can, I can zip it really, really fast. Now, what's the difference between this and this? Well, this one is powered by my own strength. This one is powered by something 
more than my own strength, right? It's got a battery with it. Now, I know some of you guys are judging me. Why do you have the 12 volt and not the 20 volt? All right, put that aside for just a minute. You can get a lot done, a lot less effort, more effectively by this power tool. All right, now, when you talk about spiritual gifts, I want you to think about that way. I'm putting this down so, guys, you don't think about that anymore. All right? Spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability. It's not just your own ability, not just your own skill, but it's a supernatural ability that God gives you to serve other people. Now, you can serve. You can serve outside of your spiritual gifting. All right? We do it all the time. Uh, sometimes Liz will ask me to vacuum the house, and I'm like, you know, that's not really my spiritual gift. But I've found that I can still serve. I can still vacuum, right, uh, around the house, and I should, right? So you definitely can serve and should serve outside. But here's the deal. When you are serving, like, in your lane of your spiritual gift, man, there's, there's just a power there. There's an effectiveness there. There is a, there's an impact there that goes beyond just your own natural uh, ability. And so that's what spiritual gifts are. Now you may say, well, I really don't have one of those. I, you know, I got skipped over at some point. I don't really have a spiritual gift. Uh, Paul's point here in these first three verses is we all have received the Holy Spirit if you've come to faith in Christ. And with that, you have all received a spiritual gift. So yes, you have a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is yet, but you have a spiritual gift. Every believer is, is, possesses the Holy Spirit and has a spiritual gift. So the Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. Now, let's look at the next phrase, though. The Spirit empowers you to serve. The Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. Look at verse 4. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Now stop right there for a minute. You'll obviously note that he says the word different three times. Now the first three verses he's talked about we're the same. We're unified. We all receive the Holy Spirit. We've all received a, a, a spiritual gift. But now he gets to this passage where he goes, yeah, we're all the same, but we're also different. We all have received faith through Jesus Christ. We all have the Holy Spirit. We've got these gifts, but yet our gifts are very, very different. In fact, notice he says here there are different gifts. That word, their gift is uh, charismata, which comes from the root word charis, which means grace. So it's a really wonderful play on words here in that God, it is an act of God's grace that he gives you a gift at all, right? That you would have a gift to share and to serve is an act of God's grace. But here's the deal. When you put it into action, then you are an extension of God's grace to the person you're ministering to. What a beautiful thing that you become a conduit of the grace of God as you serve in that way. So he said they're all different kinds of gifts. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you get to mercy. Some of you have the, the gift of administration. Some of you have, have the gift of discernment. You have all these different gifts. We all have all these different kinds of gifts. But he said not only do you have different gifts, you have different ministries. The, word, the root word there is diakonos, which we get the word deacon from. It means to serve. 
And so there are lots of different ways to put that gift into work. I may have the gift of teaching, but do it in a kid's area. I may have a gift of teaching, do it with, with uh, people that are going through grief or divorce. Or I may have a gift of teaching and express it in a different way. See, the same gift in lots of different expressions and lots of different ministries. And then he says there's not only different gifts, different ministries, but they're also... Uh, check this out, uh, different activities. The, the Greek word here, here is energima. Does that sound like a word you know, energima? Energy, uh, that's, that's where it really is translated power. And the construction of the word has to do with outcomes. So there is a powerful result that comes through you working in this uh, alignment with your spiritual gift. There, there is different kinds of impact. There are different powerful results. There are some people that their impact is, is, is only a few people. Some have greater impact, some even greater impact. And all of that is by the gift of God. God determines that. God uses you in lots of different, it doesn't mean that the bigger impact is better than the smaller. It just means that they're all different and used in different ways uh, to honor uh, the Lord. So in one sense, we're all alike uh, we all have come to faith in Christ. We all have the Holy Spirit uh, through, our, through salvation. We uh, all have been given spiritual gifts, but yet we all have different kinds of gifts, and we use them in different ways. And, um, you know, this world tells you to, to conform. Our culture always tells us, dress a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing, get in line, be like us, be like everyone else conformity, and yet here is God loving this sense of creativity, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, all these different gifts made in all these different ways. And you may say, well, okay, there are lots of different gifts and lots of different ministries, but what exactly does God want me to do with this gift? Well, look at verse 7. He says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Underline the two words, common good. This gift is for service. I love Matthew Henry's commentary. It's a very, very old commentary. But every once in a while, man, there's a nugget in there that's just so good. Transcends time. Matthew Henry said this, they are not given for show, but for service. I love that. Your gift is not so that you can strut. Man, I got this gift. Woo, I'm so spiritual. I'm so good. Look at, look at how people think about me. Look at what they think, say about me because I'm using this gift. And no, 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 it's not about you. It's not about you. If in any way you are elevating yourself because of your spiritual gift, you are missing the point. It is all about elevating other people, that, that you are building others up, that you're leading others to greater maturity, and especially, and, and first and foremost, you're elevating Jesus in the process. So your spiritual gift is not about you. It should never be about your status as a spiritual person. It should always be about building others up in humility. Now, with that being said, Paul does give us a list of spiritual gifts here, starting in verse 8. So let's just take a look at this right quick. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues one 
And the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Now, let me just uh, give you a couple observations here about this list, okay? Uh, This list is first and foremost not exhaustive. It's not an exhaustive list. In fact, depending on how you count them, scholars do it in different ways, there are at least, at the very least, five spiritual gift lists in the scripture. If you took all those that are listed and, and not account for those that are doubled up on, there's at least 20, 21 different gifts mentioned, how, depending on how you count them in the scripture. So this is not a comprehensive list. This is not an exhaustive list. I would say this is more of a representative list, okay? In other words, God doesn't only just work with these groups. This is just a representative of the different ways that God has gifted his people. Secondly, this is not a catalog that you can like go through and go, ooh, I like that one. I think I'd like to download that one, all right? <laughs> I would think I would like God to give me that one. I really like that gift and that gift. Ooh, this one looks nice. I think I'll try that one too. No, that's not how it works. In fact, if you'll notice again back in verse 6 and verse 11, he makes it very clear that God gives to each person the gift he wants to give you. So this is not something you're asking God to give you. This is something that God gives you uh, at the point of your salvation, that God empowers you with this spiritual gift. Now, with that said, that also leads me to another point, and that is that there's nothing to indicate that these gifts are always ongoing. In other words, you may just have this gift in one moment. <laughs> there may be a moment in time when God has put you in the spot and he gives you a spiritual discernment or spiritual ability to speak something into someone's life or spiritual you know, activity that, boom, in that moment, God empowers you to serve in that way and it never happens again. Or it could be something that is ongoing. But don't just think of it only as an ongoing thing because that is not indicated here in the passage. And there may be cases where you can think back to your own life when, man, I, I had a, a moment where God spoke to, through me in a certain way, and man, it's never happened again. But boy, in that moment, I, I could clearly see that God was working. That was, the, that was the Spirit of God working in that gifting and in that way in that moment, okay? I think the be, it's best to just see this list as the different ways God is working through different people within his body to get done what he wants to get done. It's just the different ways God is working through different people within the body of Christ to get done what he wants uh, to get done. Now you may say, well, how do I know my spiritual gift? Do I have one of these? Do I have others? How do I know my spiritual gift? And that's a really good question. You know, back in the 80s and early 90s, Everybody was taking spiritual gift inventories. Anybody here ever taken a spiritual gift inventory test? Raise your hand. All right, there they are. Yes, absolutely. I took many of them, and it's kind of like a personality inventory. They ask you all these questions. You tally up the number. Boop, you have the gift of teaching, or you have the gift of mercy or helps or whatever the case may be. And I'm not, uh, I'm not throwing shade on those. I mean, those I think are helpful, but we have to realize that Jesus did not hand out spiritual gift inventory tests to his disciples. Nor did the early church have a spiritual gift inventory to share. So how did they know what their spiritual gift was? And I think the best way for us to know now is the same way they knew then, and that is just start serving. Just start serving. Well, where do I start? 
Well, start with, uh, do you have an interest in an area? Do you have a passion in a certain area? Has God put a burden in your heart in a certain area? Is there a desire in a certain area? You can start there. If you have a certain experience that could benefit others, then start with that experience and ministering to that group of people. Just start there. Pray. Ask God, Lord, where do you want me to start? Should I do this? Should I try this here? And then just get to serving. And what I believe is that as you are serving, you'll find some things you go, oh, man, that is so not me. I definitely don't want to do that again. But other areas, oh, yeah, I, I really enjoy this. I see God working. Not only will you see God working, but other people in the church, other people in the body of Christ will affirm that. They will say, Yes, I see that in you. I see God working in you. I see the effect of the Spirit of God through you. And that will be affirmation that this is the area in which, in which you are to serve. We had a, a lady uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, sent an email. said, I really feel called to minister to people that are grieving because of my own experience. She's going to start ministry in that area. Uh, others, one guy in our church is really good with his hands. And he goes, man, I really love just feel God's pleasure when I'm helping people fix stuff, you know, around their house, especially those who can't do it. And I can do it in practical ways. You may feel the same way in serving in worship or kids or some other area. The thing is, you just got to get started. You just got to get started. I think half the time we're so busy trying to figure out where we're supposed to be that we're stalled out. We just need to get going, all right? The Holy Spirit will be like a rudder. When the boat is going, the rudder can turn you where he needs to go. If you're just sitting still, the rudder's not going to do a whole lot of help, okay? So just, just get going. Ask the Spirit of God uh, to be a rudder and to turn and direct you as you go. And you will begin to find in that area that God has gifted you to serve. So we've got one point. The Spirit empowers. We've seen that. You to serve. Uh, we've seen that. Now, the Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so it is in Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Now, stop right there. There are different word pictures in the Scripture about the church. By the way, the church is never considered a building, all right? Like, this is the church, like the church is the building. No, no, the church is always the what? The people, right? The people, the called out ones. Ecclesia, the people, the called out ones. Where the church is the people, not the facility. But there are different word pictures to describe uh, the church in the scripture. Sometimes the church is called a field. Sometimes the church is called a family. That's another great word picture. But in this case, the word picture is a body. That, that the church is much like a, your physical body. And he said, just as your physical body has many parts, you have all different kinds of organs, you have all different kinds of, of, of bone structure and ligaments and muscles and all, gray matter and all that kind of great stuff, uh, even down to the cellular level, all these different parts working together. He said in the same way, the church has got all these different gifts and all these different abilities, but you form one body, one church body, one group that reflects uh, the body of Christ. Now, by the way, uh, just on a side note, this is one of the, the strongest statements of biblical unity anywhere found in the Bible is this passage right here. He says, doesn't matter whether you're uh, Jew or Gentile, slave or Greek, 
It doesn't matter all these distinctions. All those were red line distinctions in that culture. He said, it doesn't matter your differences. You're one body. You know, we, we're, we're a very diverse group. We got, a, we got people that are a part of our church. They're from Catholic background, from charismatic background, some from Baptist background and Lutheran and Methodist. We got all different kinds of groups and all different kinds of backgrounds. Uh, grew up in all different parts of the world and, and so on. But, but yet we're, we're one body, right? We're one body. And Paul is writing here to a local church. And so he has in mind that a local church is the one body unified within that by the blood of Jesus Christ, all having the Holy Spirit, all having a spiritual gift to serve in that body. Now, if that's true, if, if we are one body, but follow me, if we're one body and, and all the different parts represent our different gifted, giftings, right, that serve the body, then serving begins in the church, now, let me, let me give you another verse, Ephesians 4. Listen to this. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For him, from him, the whole body, he's re- referring to the church here, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So just as you got one body and multiple parts working to grow that body in the same way you have multiple giftings working together to build up the local church, the local body in which you belong. You say, well, Craig, why, why aren't you harping on this? I mean, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Why, why aren't you banging on this? Because here's the deal. I, I've heard people say uh, something like this. <clears throat> All right, Craig, I, I hear you're talking about serving, and, and all right, you didn't get off of me about serving because I serve plenty. Let me tell you what, I, I'm the homeroom mom for my kids, a school. You have no idea what I put up with there, right? And, and then I serve my employees at my work all the time, and I, 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 I give a, a week uh, to United Way, and, and then I, I serve in this other civic organization, I'm in this other civic organization, and I care for other people, and, and so I'm serving plenty, so, you know, I, I serve just fine. I get that, and I hear you, and there's a place for that, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about how God has given you a spiritual gift to be deployed here in the local church to build up the ministry that God has here. That's why the primary purpose for your spiritual gift, right? And you may say, well, I don't really have much to offer. Oh, really? Well, look at at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Indeed, the body is not just one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the smell be? But as it is, God has arranged, get this, each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. I mean, if you all, if you had all eyes, that'd be kind of scary, right? Kind of weird, right? 
If, we, if, we were, if you had all, of, all ears, that would be weird. And he's saying, you know, that the body is not like that. It's not a grotesque kind of weird thing. He said, God has a portion within a local church family, a local church body. He said, people with all different kinds of giftings. Some are very visible. Some are not so visible. All are very, very important, right? My lungs are not visible right now, but I need them, right? I need them. My heart, you can't see. I can't live without it. And so there are some things going on in the body you don't see on a platform, but it's vital to the health and growth and the function of the church. I guess what you need to hear is this. Uh, you're needed. You say, well, you know what? I'm, I, I can't really do the stuff on the platform, and I'm not really good at, at these visible things I see other people doing. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Let me ask you something. Which tool is more important, a drill or a saw? Which is more important? Well, you're probably thinking, well, I guess it depends on what you want to do. Exactly. If I need to cut something, a saw. I can't do that very well with a drill, right? Uh, but if I want to screw in something or drill something, I, got, I have to have a drill. A saw won't do the, do the trick. And so God knows that. And so he's put all these different power tools and all these different people, all unique, and they're all playing their special part and that's what builds up the body of Christ. So here's the deal. If you are not putting your gift into service here, then we are missing something. We're missing something. Not only are you missing something because you're missing the joy of God working through you, but we as a body are missing something. God did not bring you here just to enjoy a service and leave. He didn't bring you here to just uh, enjoy people ministering to you, even though that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But God also brought you here to contribute and to serve the Lord in your giftedness. And that service begins right here in the body of Christ. We need you just as much as you need to serve. You say, well, why did God do it this way? Well, look at verse 25. He tells us why. So that, that so that is always a purpose clause. He's going to tell us why this is set up this way. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. I just love that. He said, you know, the reason why God has given all these different gifts to his people, all these different ways, all these different ministries, and, and he's pulled them all together to serve and care for one another is he said, because this brings unity. As I said before, unfortunately, spiritual gifts have actually caused rifts in most churches or in many churches. But that's the opposite of what it should be here. But if you see your spiritual gift as not elevating yourself, but building up others and in humility caring for others and lifting up Christ and building up other people, if that is your gift and you're very happy and welcome for that to be done in anonymity for no one ever see but the Lord and you're just seeing with that to serve others, then he said, then there's this beautiful unity of the body caring for each other that is a beautiful expression of biblical community. This last week, I visited with a family who's really been through a very, very long season of loss. And um, I was talking to um, this lady, and she said, uh, she said, Craig, I really don't know 
where I would be right now if it wasn't for my connect group. I said, yeah, I know. She goes, no, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. She said, you have no idea how these people have loved our family and cared for our family. I mean, they brought food over to our house. They have served us. They've showed up. She told me a story. I was in crisis here, and in 10 minutes, somebody was at my door, and, and this person helped, and this person helped, and this person helped. And she said, you have no idea what this means. Now, if you were to go visit that connect group this morning, what you would find is some of those people have the gift of teaching. Some have the gift of administration. Some have the gift of mercy. Some have the gift of help. Some have the gift of discernment. They have all that, but they're all working together, serving each other. And what is produced is this beautiful picture of biblical community. And I think when Jesus sees that, he goes, that's it. That's it. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. So are you, are you doing that? The Spirit empowers you to serve God's people. That's the one point. The, the question that goes with that point is, are you doing that? If the Spirit has empowered you to serve God's people, then are you doing it? Are you doing it? You know, like I said at the very beginning, you know, it's not all about you. It's not all on you. The Spirit of God wants to work through you as a conduit of God's grace. But you have to choose to say yes. I want you to bow your head with me for just a minute. We're trying in this series to give you lots of easy, easy ways to get involved. There's a QR code right there in front of you. It takes less than 30 seconds to with your phone right now to snap that QR code and fill out a short, brief, little five-question form there. If you don't want to do that, you can leave as soon as we're done and go out into the lobby behind you and we have pastors waiting there with iPads ready to help you get connected and start getting this ball rolling. On the 28th of this month, we have a night of worship and a ministry expo where you can talk to people about how to serve. Listen, we can do all these things for you, but we can't force you to do what you don't want to do. As much as I love you and I want you to be involved and I see how God could use you, you have to say yes. Lord, I I see you've gifted me. You give me a power tool in my hand. You give me a church in which to use it. But are you going to do it? So once you ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How can I serve you, Jesus? Lord, I thank you for your word today. It's just so powerful, so relevant, so current. We need to hear it. Lord, I pray that, that in, there would be just unity in this body as we, in humility, serve one another, not ever elevating ourselves, but always elevating others. That because of our oneness in Christ, because of our oneness in the Spirit, that we would gently care for one another. And Lord, I pray that this would be a beautiful place that this church would be effective and fruitful and, and that, Lord Jesus, you would be pleased with your family here.
Lord, lead us, direct us. Lord, move us forward not to be content to just stay where we are, but always to pursue you and your best for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.